Thanks for tuning in and welcome to Same As It Ever Was, where we literally don't know what we're going to talk about. Hey there, buddy. What are you doing? What's up, bro? <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Happy post-laborious day weekend. Labor <laughs> day. A day, a, a day, you know, void of labor. Nevertheless. Hashtag ne- not really. Hashtag what's Labor Day about? Like people uh, uh, forgot that we celebrate Labor Day. Oh, I know. Well, I mean, I think probably we have, I don't know. It, it, it's probably one of the, it's probably one of the few things that we probably have uh, the AFL-CIO to thank for. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So. Obviously. Uh, yeah. No. Well, no, because it, it's kind of funny. We we had the air show last weekend up yeah, here. The, the, the great, with... the great state of Maine air show. And you got to meet up with Hewitt. Little yes, Huey. Andy Hewitt. Yep, he showed up up here, man. It was that was that was very interesting. It was it was cool. It was awesome to see Andy. You know, he's doing well. He's in his his element. Yeah, he's back in his element. You know, uh, man, what an adventure that guy had. I mean, between going to school and then serving at a schoolhouse outside of his occupational field in the Marine Corps, I mean, I think he said in our conversation that he ultimately ended up spending like seven years outside of his MOS. Seven years. Yeah, which is his job, like his occupational field, because obviously he's like an airframer guy, you know, had worked with the with the air wing for years and years, but basically went back to school and got his, you know, got his degree or whatever. And uh, actually, you know, it's kind of interesting with with Andy. I think he got um, I think it was like a business degree, but he had gone to full sail. Yeah. And, you know, had... it was a program that Marines offer. Right. That you have to go work in that. If you go to school, you have to go work in that job. That field. Exactly. So he had gone to music. He had gone to music production school. And so in the eyes of the Marine Corps, well, you have to go somewhere to basically pay back, you know, your you know, pay back your debt, if you will. Um, so that meant that he came to the school of music. And I mean, I will say, man, I mean, you and I both know just how difficult that was for Andy Hewitt. I mean, stepping outside of your occupational field, you know, in the service is tough, regardless. Um, and, but then, I, and, I, then, and then thinking like, oh, and then saying, well, I know how to play music. And then coming into uh, yes, a, 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 a musical schoolhouse. Yeah, professional. Yeah, a professional musical schoolhouse. I mean, it was, uh, you know, and and the uh, you know, for folks out there who are listening to the show, who you know, we, we obviously talk about a lot of music on our program on a program. Um, but I will tell for the folks for the folks out there listening who are not musicians, who are not really artists of any kind. <coughs> I will tell you that uh, musicians are a hard nut to crack. Uh, we, you know, musicians are by and large a very tightly knit subculture. And, and, yeah, because, and, and uh, 
there's the trained musicians and then there's the hobbyists. Right, sure. Yeah, there's amateurs and then there's professional musicians. Um, but, you know, as, as, as musicians, understanding that as by and large, the majority of musicians, you know, sort of grew up in this environment where, uh, you know, being a musician, especially through public school and that type of thing, in a way, it defined almost everything about who you were. Because this program that you became engaged in when you were in like the fifth or sixth grade or earlier, uh, you know, was just what you did. I mean, that's what you did from that point on until you graduated from high school. And not everybody who was obviously not everybody that was in your, you know, your average public you know, high school band marching program or whatever went on to study music, you know, professionally, academically, you know, pursued it as a career. But nevertheless, you know, while you're growing up and moving through the school system, that's where your friends are. I mean, that's the people you hang out with, the people that you spend your time with. These are the people that you're spending your weekends with when you're out doing some, you know, concert band festival or some jazz band festival um, competitions, doing, you know, district and regional competitions, trying to you know, qualify for all state and or just all of those things. It's very consuming and... And by and large, the reality is also that, uh, you know, by and large, it's also, it was a click that, as we all know, is not necessarily attractive to uh, the most popular elements of your average, you know, public high school demographic. In other words, the kids in the band are band geeks. <laughs> That was a a very long-winded way of describing being in the band band geeks. So anyway, my point is, is that, you know, moving into uh, military music uh, or or moving into professional music, uh, you know, that same sensibility that was developed over years of of learning and performing and, and all of that through public school and and then, you know, uh, post-secondary music school, you know, whatever, that sensibility never really changes. I mean, we, and, and you and I talk about it all the time, man. Like, as musicians, we literally speak a language. Yep. We speak a language that non-musicians do not understand in any way. Um, they hear it, but they sometimes, they don't. But, but they don't know how to, how to describe it. They Some people don't know how to read it, write it, yeah. Right, Exactly. Um, it's, it's like how dentists say they're doctors, and you're like, "Oh yeah, but you're a dentist." <laughs> no, I'm a, I'm a doctor. Yeah, but you're you're a dentist. Like, well, you know what? Hey, you know, at least I don't know. In my mind, it's almost like I don't know, man. Uh, it's almost like people who are like you say they're doctors, they're dentists. At least they're still involved in medicine. But then there's the people who are who are doctors in some field that is not medical. But they insist on being referred to as doctor. Oh, yeah. I mean, just having someone who has an education background in music and they're a doctor. Right. And, but their insistence on being called doctor is, I, I don't know, there's something about that to me. It's like, I know you earned this credential, but I'm just, it feels silly that I'm in like, I don't know, I'm in like a traditional theory and harmony class. Well, and I just say, yeah, you play like one. <laughs> right. <laughs> 
Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, you play like one. Uh, right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. No, oh, you're obviously a doctor. You play like one. <laughs> um, uh, yeah, but you know what I'm saying. It's it's but for you know, but for a guy like Andy Hewitt, man, to to come from outside of that whole thing and enter that world where you know pe- musicians, by and large, are very um, they tend to be what is the word I'm looking for? Asshole. Well, not assholes. It's just they it tend is- to be very guarded. <laughs> you know. Like musicians, and you know, at that level, tend to be very guarded and very guarded against who they're sort of letting into their clique. Who are like, are you real? Like, are you legit? You and, know, and, or and we we talk the talk, like we start speaking the language, and then if we know that people, and I'm just facts, people, and, and it's like, yeah, he he has no fuck. You're, That's you're exactly it. my point: is that you can sniff out a fake, you yeah. can sniff out an imposter. You know, and I'm not saying that Andy Hewitt's an imposter because, I mean, he's playing with bands and he's doing his thing. And, and that's awesome. I'm just saying that not being and like a part of that scene growing up through the Marine Corps and then trying to step into it is very, very difficult. And he had a really, really difficult time at the schoolhouse, but it was great seeing him. Um, he's obviously, like I say, he's doing very well. Uh, you know, for we, getting getting back to the the meaning of Labor Day, uh, this you know the the place where I I live and work used to be a naval air installation, right? Yeah. Uh, now, obviously, it's all sort of privatized. The Navy still sort of owns it in a way, uh, but this it's not the it's the infrastructure not the, still there though. Oh, it is, but my point is that a lot of these, a lot, you know, new buildings have been built. There's old buildings have been converted, but the but the air show itself is not put on by uh, the military. It's put on by a private company called Airshow Network. And basically, when those dudes rolled in here, they were like, "Well, we're just shutting this place down because for them, it's all about making money." I mean, dude, they were charging forty five dollars a head just to get into this air show. Wow. Yeah. And obviously, like when we found out they were shutting down all these roads, we were like, so how are we getting to work? Like if we work on that Saturday, oh, well, you need to get a work pass. And basically they put us in a position where we just shut down. More like an imposition. Well, exactly. An imposition. (laughs) The imposition. Um, But anyway, the the but I was I was talking to Gary the owner before this because he was trying to decide what to do and I was like I said you know I said Gary it is it's Labor Day sometimes you have to say it's, it's what the fuck it's Labor Day <laughs> I said I said and and the guys in this shop you know as well as I do that they have labored all summer long <laughs> under under difficult circumstances to keep this place going, you know? And he was like, yeah, I don't know, whatever. But I was, you know, I was just, I'm like, dude, this is, this is, if there's, I mean, obviously it's religious holidays and that kind of thing, but you know, you think labor day. I mean, if there were a day that you actually literally get a, a long weekend, it's you know, labor it's labor day. Cause that's the whole point of the holiday. It's <laughs> not work. To honor those who have labored. Who have labored long. Who lived the laborious life of laboring. <laughs> right, who toiled. <laughs> <laughs> right. 
more slack, less toil, more slack, less toil. I'll tell you what, man. Uh, you know, I, I'm a fan. If anybody wants to recommend like the standard work week being, uh, like three days and then four days off. Cause like I, I came into work and you know, I, I don't only work at the band. I, I work with, you know, people at the larger command a lot. And I'm like, Hey, did you like your weekend? Like, yeah. And everyone's like, yeah, like rested, ready to go. Like, let's make this a standard. Right. Like, you know, you'd have to think about it, man. You just work Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, your ass off, like honestly work a full work week in those three days. And then you get Friday, Saturday, Sunday, Monday off. Yeah, dude, it totally depends on what you're doing. Of course, of it course. depends on what you're doing. Because Jennifer, because Jennifer, basically, that's what she works. I mean, she works a uh, twelve on Wednesdays, a twelve on Thursdays, and she works like a regular eight-hour shift on on uh, Saturday. And then she's like, she's on call like one weekend a month. So the, that on call weekend, I mean, it's just a given. Because they're always shorthanded. She's going to end up having to work the full weekend. But your average week for her is working like 32 hours, which is still considered full time. Um, And she's got, you know, typically she's got Saturday or she's usually got Sunday, Monday and Tuesday off. And then she's got Friday. I mean, the two 12 hour shifts are not easy. I mean, she did her 12 yesterday and a 12 today. Those are long days. Long yeah. days, but you know, I mean, when you think about it, it's like, well, there's a reason why you're working those long days. You're doing that so that you can get four days off a week. I mean, yeah, I mean, I, dude, I'm in a position right now. I'm in a position right now that I just, I never envisioned myself being being in like retiring from the Marine Corps. I never envis- envisioned myself working more now than I did when I was active duty. I mean, I'm working on the, well, I mean, I mean, I'm working, you know, I'm work. I'm usually working Monday through Friday and then Saturday mornings, at least when she's working Saturday mornings, I'm going into work. When I'm, you were in your twenties, this was not what lo- the word retirement. Was. No, I'm dude, retired. my twenties. I mean, dude, uh, up until like the past few years ago, it wasn't what I thought retirement was going to be. I mean, We've and Jennifer and I've had that conversation multiple times. I mean, just with all of the adversity that we've been faced with, not just us personally, but just you know, socially, the the you know, publicly, everything that we've all had to deal with in the past year and a half. I mean, I've been retired my entire my entire retirement so far has been under this cloud of the whole like COVID and economic troubles and just all that stuff. It's like, dude, no way. There's no way I could have ever imagined. I mean, obviously we've, you know, we have two beautiful grandchildren, which are incredibly awesome, you know. Um, but just like I say, just the entire sort of vibe around everything, not at all. I mean, no, I, no one could have predicted before I retired that this was what it was going to be. You yeah. know, I mean, it's just, it is what it is. But um, I agree with you. I mean, if you can make, a, you know, if you've, if you've got one of those kind of careers, man, where uh, you know you can you can work three days a week, and there are people who do it. You know, people in the medical field they're able to to do that kind of thing. Um, you know, I mean, there's 
I always thought about it in terms of like, you know, before I were, you know, before I retired, I was, I was looking at trying to get into real estate. And that was one of my biggest things when I was thinking about that was controlling my own schedule. And only like, if I only wanted to work a few days a week, well, then I work a few days a week, you know? Um, so who knows? Who knows? So, uh, so what was your, your, uh, it's, it's kind of interesting. We, we, we haven't done a show in about a week and a half. Um, last show, I don't think we talked about this. I wanted to, and I don't think we did. Uh, the new Bob Ross documentary. Have you watched it? I saw it and I saw like previews for it. And I kind of don't want to watch it. Really? Just to, I, I have this vision of the man in my head in my childhood that I just want to keep it. Well, I, I, will, I, will, I will say this. I, there's nothing in the documentary. There's nothing in the documentary that diminishes that person that you remember. Like the the troubling stuff, the troubling stuff that you hear about in this documentary is stuff that really happened after he passed away. Oh, and that is the stuff. It's like when when it starts getting into that part, because it talks all about like where he came from and when, you know, his life while he was on active duty and how he got into painting. And um, one of the things that totally reminded me of, and I had forgotten all about it. Do you, did you ever watch the, not the joy of painting, but the magic of painting? No. Okay. It had this guy, I think his name was Bill Alexander, um, who became one of Bob Ross's mentors. And he had a show on public television before Bob had his. Um, and I remember it's so crazy because they're showing little clips of his sh- of this guy's show, and I was like, "Holy shit! I remember this dude's show being on public TV," you know. Um, but then obviously it gets into Bob's career, and and that stuff is really cool, man. I mean, he was truly a, a, such an incredibly magnetic personality, um, and just you know, he just. It, emoted i think that's the right word uh joy you know i mean it was you know there was there's parts in the documentary where he's talking about how you know he's they they had some big some i don't know park in in, or festival in central park and he went and set up an easel and you know started painting and it just as soon as people recognized who he was it was just this massive crowd of people. I always think what's interesting is the where all the paintings are, and none of them are for sale. Well, if you watch this documentary, you're going to find out some things about about some of his quote unquote his so called paintings. That is pretty disturbing. Towards the end of this, there's things you find out that you're like, "What the fuck." And it's nothing about the work he actually did. Again, it's all stuff that happened after he passed away. Posthumously. Um, yeah, posthumously. Uh, but it's awesome. Totally awesome documentary. Well worth your the, the time to watch it for everybody out there. Check it out. It was really good. Um, 
Oh, gosh, what was uh... – Let's talk about your assignment. I mean, yeah, I know Dude, it's... yes. We were going to go there, too. Because this is sort of a weird mixture of uh, <laughs> New Music Monday and YouTube Thursday. Um, it's a, it's a, a mashup, if you will. Mm. Uh, milk Crate Challenge. <laughs> milk Crate Challenge. Uh, it's funny how all these, like, these challenges, like, you know, we've talked about it with, like, the cinnamon yeah. challenge and all that, and then this one. Yeah. This is dangerous. It's extraordinarily dangerous. Um, for folks who have not seen this, and I'm sure that most of you have because it's, like, gone completely viral on YouTube and whatever... Uh, basically, this challenge is just stacking up milk crates like in a pyramid, and the goal is to basically walk up to the top and then walk down the other side. Sounds simple. The problem is, is that these stacks of milk crates that make up the pyramid are so unstable <laughs> that virtually no one is able to even get to the top before they come teetering down and people are like, I mean, dude, you watch some of these videos on YouTube. Their back, the middle of their back, or their oh head. my god, dude, you see these people take some spills that just make you cringe because it's like, oh my god, like, and they have the shit set up on like concrete. It's not even yeah. like out in the grass or something because they want some stable, solid surface. So they're set up on, and people are falling like eight feet in the air and landing on their head, you know. And the thing is, is that this is all being done. And don't get me wrong, everyone, like, people get together. There's, there's, a, thing, there's a thing in the military called an, called a, a, an ARI, okay? <laughs> an alcohol-related incident. <laughs> these, these milk crate challenges are just a long series of ARIs. Because <laughs> none of these things happen. None of these challenges are set up where people are just hanging out and just, like, I don't know, totally bored and sober. And they're like, oh, let's like set up a pyramid of milk crates and we'll just see if we can walk up to the top. Like, that's not how this works. This is people who are inebriated in one way or another who suddenly come up with this really bright idea that we need to do this thing. I've, I've seen somewhere got, this guy's like, I'll give you 300 bucks if you do it. Oh, really? So it's all walks of life of people trying it and failing. Well, the, the, the thing I thought was funny was the number of people I see in these videos who are either in the, in, in the process of smoking a fatty. Okay. Yeah. I eat a joint for those who are not, you know, who uh, are square. Uh, yeah. Or are literally in the process of rolling a fatty while they're doing the challenge. That guy's the champ. Dude. The one guy who did it. And yeah, that guy's the champ. He's got a rolling paper in his hand and he's like taking the bud and like breaking it up to roll a joint in with his other hand as he's walking to the top. And he literally gets to the top and stops and like looks around and just continues to like roll his joint and walks down the other side. Yep. And, 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 and all, like, these, all these people are like, all these people are like, he too brave, he too brave. <laughs> <laughs> just like, 
<laughs> oh man, he ain't serious. He too brave. Oh my god. How much? Dude. I like. Seriously though, you, like you you put three hundred dollars. Like anybody who wants to try, I give you three hundred bucks. And then he, person does it. It's like a carnival show. Oh, I can oh, do yeah. that. Yeah, but the ring toss, it's not rigged. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh, dude. And like the, the one the one video it was hilarious. I see this one dude. He's going and I don't realize I don't realize it, but he's climbing to the top and obviously he falls over like lands in a fucking bush on the edge of the yard. And like he's laying there for a minute and then all of a sudden and they're like, oh, shit, he fell and all of a sudden the dude pops up and he's and they're like, oh, shit, he's still got that blood. He's still got this freaking fatty in his lips. Like, <laughs> he had it in his mouth, fell off this thing, busted his head, landed in a bush, stands up. He's still got this joint sticking in his mouth. Yep. It's like, oh, oh shit, he didn't drop that blood. Dude, that, or the people are on the ground, they get up, and their arm is facing the wrong direction. Well, and that's the thing, exactly. <laughs> then there's the videos of the people who fall, and their arm is, like, snaps in half. Because obviously, as they naturally do, when these people come plummeting to earth, they reach out with their hand to try to break their fall, and it makes their elbow <laughs> bend the wrong way. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, the thing is, like, and, like, TikTok started, like, taking them down. Like, like they're like, nope. Oh, yeah, because they didn't want people to hurt themselves. They're like, oh, we can't promote this. We can't promote this. We're, we're endangering people's, you know, welfare. Now, dude, it was it was crazy seeing that. I was like, just seeing seeing the spills some of these people are taking. I was like, oh my god, that looks so why painful, so like, painful. Why would you even think to try? You know, uh, I don't know, man. I don't know because you fucked up. You're bored. <laughs> people, people who are uh, fucked up and bored just come up with crazy things uh, to do. That's uh, hold my beer. Yeah, yeah. no, that's exactly oh. what it is. That's exactly what I hear. Oh, yeah? Hold my beard. Watch this. Hold them back. Right. Hold them back. Not hold oh. my beard. Hold me back. Dude, that's, you know, that's like some of these videos that you see. Uh, God, there was one. I swear to God, it was so nasty. It's these people, the same kind of idea. They're freaking having some basement party. They're having this basement party. And, and somebody all of a sudden whips out a samurai sword. No. Oh, yes. <laughs> so now it's time to hold my beer and watch these really cool tricks we can do with the samurai sword. Mm-mm-mm-mm. Oh, yeah. And so, you know, uh, unwitting victim, I say unwitting, he was an idiot because he was hammered and decides he wants to do this. They, they had all this food that was there at the party. Right. And they had it was like a fucking kielbasa or something. And so he takes this thing and puts it in his mouth and it's like sticking up in the air. And this guy with the sword is going to cut the fucking sausage in half. And he hauls off, man, and he the death. He strikes and he catches this dude with the sausage in his mouth right on like basically on his cheek right next to his fucking nose oh. and you just see the guy jump up and gra- and like grab his face and blood starts fucking going everywhere and of course it's one of those things though where like they of course they have to show like the slow motion replay 
of what happened to this dude. And it's basically like in the slow mo, you can see his nose and everything just like flop over on the other side of his face and flop back. <laughs> this, this is what I'm talking about. This is, you want to talk about why do people do the milk crate challenge? Why do people whip out fucking samurai swords at a party and, t- and decide that it's time to start playing like Daredevil? You know what I'm saying? Well, mine isn't as, mine isn't dangerous gross, but in honor of um, Michael Stanley, is there's been this thing like, you know, the start, uh, of, the start of college football was this weekend. Yes. And, uh, <laughs> excuse me, these people were doing these challenges where, they have the like uh, Sam's Club size thing of mayonnaise, and he's just got a spoon, and he's just uh, like ah, uh, like as a challenge. Everyone's like, "Yeah, go!" And then another guy starts eating the mayonnaise, and he's pouring it in his mouth. Think about how hot that mayonnaise! Oh my god! He just dumps it all over. He's he's shirtless. It's big fat dude and just dumps the mayonnaise all over his body and starts rubbing him. <laughs> and, and I swear to God, I really, really wanted to do this. I wanted to like, like video screenshot it and send it to Mike Stanley. But I'm like, no. Yeah. Our friend, for folks who don't know Mike, our friend Mike Stanley really, he loves, he loves mayonnaise. He loves it. <laughs> so whenever there's a whenever there's a rich opportunity to be able to share you know mayo highlights with him you know you you have to it's it's a rule it's written somewhere must share disgusting things about mayo with mike stanley <laughs> like literally this man starts gagging yes sight of mayonnaise yes some of his students like psyched him out and like replaced mayonnaise with like uh fluffernutter or right. you know, marshmallow, but put it in a mayonnaise jar and started eating it in front of him. He's like, <laughs> <laughs> Oh my god. Yeah. This well, musician I mean... community. No, oh, exactly. Ruthless. I mean this is what do you do? <laughs> yeah. Oh, but that the mayonnaise it was I was grossed out by that. Um because it was pouring out in you know, like commercially sized, yeah, like industrial grade containers. Yes, vats of of mayonnaise to be to be poured like that had to have been heated up. Ah, uh, oh. and it's just such it's just such an unstable product to have in the heat. Ooh, ooh, it's it's like, dude, you're just asking for a visit to like I don't know the bathroom. At, 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 Best case, best case scenario. That's the best case scenario is that you end up in the bathroom. You know, worst case scenario, you end up in the hospital or something because you've gotten you given yourself freaking food poisoning. Ugh. Yeah. So that was one of my YouTube videos, but yeah, it's just, ugh. just watch the college pranks like that. Like yes. Oh, dude, yes. I well. Think, but- Mine were all alcohol related, so well, you know. <laughs> well, it was Labor Day weekend, so you know. <laughs> um, you know, I, I had a gig this weekend. Uh, it was a local musician's birthday bash type thing. There was like six bands that played. Wow, 
Yeah, I know. It's kind of a thing, right? Tickets were sold. I was a guest artist uh, playing with his band, but it was it was cool. That was cool. Nice. Um, and then it was my son's thirteenth birthday. I know thirteen. Slow down. I officially have three teenagers. Oh my good god. <laughs> yeah. And they all started school. Today was the first day of school. Oh, today was, huh? Yeah. Have yeah. you gotten have you gotten debriefed on how everyone's day went? Not yet. Not, Not yet. everyone's back yet. So oh, this, is, come... this is the spread, okay? So I have two high schoolers, a middle schooler, and a elementary school age. Yeah. And the two high schoolers get on the bus. At 6.30. In the morning. Yikes. Yeah. Right? Then the elementary schooler gets on the bus at 8.30. And then the middle schooler gets on the bus at 9.15. What? The, the middle schooler doesn't ride with the high school kids? Nope. 9.15. Hmm. What time does he get done with school? He's just now getting back from school. The high schoolers get back at fourteen hundred. Yeah, like they're they're in the house by fourteen thirty. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And then the elementary school is three. So, like, but dude, think about like, you know, I'm not saying it's inconvenient, but it's fucking inconvenient. But that's ridiculous. That is inconvenient. Because I mean, I, I can't put dude like my wife. Definitely, she's a teacher. She has to be at school at at nine. She starts teaching at nine, right? And so, everyone we can put everyone on the bus except for the middle schooler. And yeah, just like uh. So what do you do? You're just like keep your eye on the clock. Don't miss the bus. Well, so today was. Because we had to show him like exactly where the the bus stop was, and he got taken to the the bus stop at um, eight fifty five. But he had to wait there for twenty minutes for the bus to come. It started raining. Oh no! <laughs> it's like, damn it! Oh, dude, that sucks. So it's like, all right, well. Because depending on what day or whatever, I have to be at work early. Right. It's like, all right, do we give them a like a, a watch and like just make sure the the timer set? Hey, you need to leave because he's basically home alone, which is fine. But now he's home alone and has to go to school, and I just already foresee the kid like playing a video game and like, oh crap, the butt. Yep. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. No, I I don't know, man. You know, maybe you just need to like, I don't know. You need to get get him a little, little watch with an alarm on. It sounds to me like he need what he needs is a slicker and galoshes. Yeah, galoshes, a slicker. <laughs> no, man. Yeah, it's it's definitely because of the like the, the time spread is going to be. You know, we talked about like, well, maybe we get him a fucking phone. Is it time? Is it time? To get, to get him a, a phone? Yeah, that way we can call and text. Hey, 
Are you on your way to the bus? Yep. Okay, great. Bye. Yeah. Well, you know, I mean, you can do that. There, dude, there's all sorts of these, you know, controls and stuff that you can utilize. I mean, I certainly wish that we had, and we never did. We were always just like, here, have a phone. You know, look at whatever you want. Like, you know, but they're, I, I definitely think that, you know, they've, they've built in so many, um, you know, they've built in so many means to be able to control content. I mean, but, I know, like, even, like, doing putting a ring inside the house and, like, hey, dude, you know, talking through the ring. Like, well, that's hey, a good idea, too. You know, I mean, something you could talk through and be like, hey, dude, gotta go, gotta go, gotta go. Yeah, I, that's just tough. It's crazy to me because, I mean, I remember, you know, even with my kids, I mean, when they were going to school, it was like, you know, that it was like the high school and the it was like the high school and the and the middle school kids. I think they all rode the bus together. And they started like their start time. It was like a little bit offset, but it was like, you know, even when I went to high school, like, I mean, when I was in middle school, we rode the school with the rode the bus with the high school kids. And I think it was like they would drop us off first it's like they would drop us off first and then the high school kids and then pick the high school kids up first and then drop then pick us up whatever and then they'd go back around and pick up the elementary school elementary school kids um so i mean for the elementary kids i mean they would typically be getting home by like i don't know four four thirty at the latest extreme latest um, obviously this isn't Virginia beach. I mean, it's a mu- much larger area. There's way more students. Um, but I mean, dude, here, I mean, if your kid wasn't getting home until, you know, almost five in the middle of winter, it's dark. Oh yeah. I mean, your kid would be getting dropped off the bus and there'd be headlights on and it would just be dark. Dude, it's fucking dark when they're getting on the bus. Well, right that's now, like, Jesus. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. I mean, the older kids, it's one thing, but like these young kids, you know, having to get off the bus at five at night, I don't, I don't know. That just seems crazy to me. The whole idea of like not having to get on the bus until nine fifteen—that's crazy. I know. I never ever. I I, I never I, I never had that much time in the morning as a kid to like wait to get on the bus. I mean. I think when I was on, I think the, because I think the last time I rode the bus, I was a sophomore in high school. And in high school, I think they probably, I probably had to be, actually, no, it was probably my freshman year was the last time I rode the bus. Because I remember my buddy Mike lived up the road for me. He was a year ahead of me and he had his license. So he'd come pick me up and we'd ride to school together. Um but when I was riding the bus, I don't think that I don't think that I had to be out there any earlier than, you know, six forty five, seven o'clock. And I mean, we would get to, you know, we would get to school. I think the first bell would ring at like seven thirty, something like that. And we would be done with work or done with school by like ten after two. And we'd be out yeah. of there. So today's the day where all the papers get sent home. Of course. You know what I mean? Is it like all the a, like? Have they provided everyone with a list of all the crap that you have to go buy? And oh yeah, but we, we take 
Yeah, we take care of that way before. Like, way before because the school now doesn't have the ability to buy shit anymore. Yeah, They're like, you need to bring toilet paper because we can't buy toilet paper anymore. It's so crazy to me. It's insane, dude. I mean, when my kids were still in school, I was like, what the fuck? Like, they, here's the list. Here's the list. You have to bring in and make sure that everybody brings in two boxes of Kleenex. What? All the tears. Yeah. All the it's, tears. It's just crazy. Just crazy. So, the other big thing today, start of the football season. Indeed, indeed. Yep. Listen, I'm I'm not taking anything for granted. I expect a loss today. I'm okay with it. Are you going to lose today? I expect a loss today. <laughs> You're not willing to go there quite yet. <laughs> So I, I already I told my buddy I'm like, hey, twenty eight twenty one Tampa Bay. I'd be happy with that. You think I'm, it's gonna be that close? Whoa, 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 calm down. Let's go wait. <laughs> I'm already giving the fans I'm already giving the Tampa Bay Brady fans a all right. I'm I'm conceding the win, but yeah. I'm leaving in the closeness. Yeah. Let's not rub it in. Okay. Sure. Yeah, no, I got you. Okay. Okay. Yeah, I like. I don't know, man. I mean, dude, I've been trying to tune in, like, watch some ESPN, NFL Live, like, whatever. Try to get a feel for, you know, what's sort of going on with the league this year. And I don't know. So I will say one of the things that people are giving Brady shit about. Oh, is the is the the jersey rule? The numbers. Yeah, the numbers on the jerseys. Okay. I Ex- have ex- explain. Explain. Not, not okay. So Tom Brady, there's a new rule where there used to be like if you're a, if you're an offensive lineman, your number was in the fifties and sixties, right? If you're a quarterback, it's one through thirteen. Uh wide receivers are like, you know, in the teens and then like or in the eighties. Yep. Well, now there's defensive people can be any, like now anybody can be any number. And so Brady's complaint is the fact that he doesn't like the rule because it's going to become confusing because seeing the numbers, right? Uh, Like he's playing Dallas tonight and our rookie linebackers number is 11, which is, can be the same number as a wide receiver. Now, I, I'm not, I have not played obviously at the level Tom Brady has as far as, but I played the sport at the position I've played quarterback before. And to me, visually, I know what my teammates are wearing. I'm not really looking at the numbers the, as the numbers are a target. Cause I always say hit them in the numbers, but it's pretty easy to differentiate the color of the uniform. They, they will be in their red uniforms, and the Cowboys will be in their white uniforms. <laughs> like, I, I'm trying to... I, I don't like know, I man. I, 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 was, I, was, I was watching... Um, you, a, you've played sports before? Like, are you passing it to the person in the same color uniform as you or looking at the number? Well, no, I think his, his, his argument is that 
you know, a big part of film study when you're preparing to play an opponent is looking at film and being able to identify particular players' numbers. Because when you get out there on the field, you're studying what the deep for in his case, he's studying what various defenses are doing and what ver you know, what various players on the defense are doing. And when he gets out onto the field and he gets under center and he's looking at that defense, he's looking for particular numbers to be able to identify exactly what the defense is getting ready to do. His argument is, is that now if all of a sudden the defense can just change up all their numbers, now he's having a harder time keeping track of who's who on the defense and and being able. He just gave the opponents a weakness to exploit. Right. And, and that, and, and that, I mean, watch, cause I was watching around the horn on ESPN yesterday and this same question got thrown out there, out there. Like, so what is your take on Tom Brady, you know, complaining about this rule change? And, and I will be honest with you, man. Like I love Tom Brady and everything, but I think three out of the four people that they had on the show were all like, um, that's weak sauce. Yeah. It's, 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 and it's weak sauce in this sense that for years and years, as we've been watching this game of professional football, the rules have incrementally changed year after year that have put defenses further and further behind the power curve. Yes. You know, you, you have, have essentially every year, you know, the defense is finding its hands tied tighter and tighter behind its back in an effort to actually play defense because, and I get why, I mean, they did it, you know, they've done this over the years because the NFL wants to generate a more exciting game. This is why the game has become a more aerial game than it used to be, as opposed to the old days when it was really about running the football. I mean, that's when you, you know, in years past, and this was another topic that they were talking about. um, They were talking about actually on, uh, on pardon the interruption, they were talking about Travis Henry, um, you know, the running back for the Titans. And they're talking about the season that they're expecting him to have. And basically talking about how, like, if he has a season as good as they're thinking that he could have this year, it would be the greatest running back, back-to-back seasons that you've had probably since Eric Dickerson. Yeah, You know, because back then – in the early, you know, from, from the mid, early, mid eighties back into the seventies, sixties, you know, it was a running game, but now because, you know, because the forward pass is so much more exciting, everybody wants to see the, you know, the, you know, the, the 70 yard, you know, hail Mary. And that's, you know, the, the catches are so thrilling, whatever, but the game has become one-sided. Well, I don't care who you are. Did you see a man who is six, five, two fifty? That can run a four four forty. Like some of his highlights are just literally him stiff arming people and throwing, oh, yeah. throwing, like, throwing them around the field. Them five yards. Oh my god! Boom! It's like yes. oh. Well, it was like watching Marshawn Lynch. You know, I mean, beast mode, dude. The guy used to get the ball and literally just step on people. I mean, it was like you couldn't get in his way, and if you got in his way, he would literally just grab you and throw you off of him. I mean, it was just unbelievable. But the whole point is that with, you know, with regard to this rule, stop your bitching, dude. 
stop your bitching. Just because they finally created a rule that might, might, might in some way make it a little bit more difficult for you to manage an offense, cry me a fucking river, dude. You know? Yeah. I mean, come on. I'm looking for a melt. I want to see a more well-balanced game. And, and don't get me wrong. I know that most of these rules that they've changed, you know, you know, with regard to the defense – most of them have been done with an aim towards making the game safer. And that's awesome, you know, but I also think that there are times, man, where that the game is being played at such a high level and it's being played so fast. Yeah. Faster and stronger. Yes. That defensive players are being put at such a disadvantage because, you know, the second they touch somebody, the second they practically look at someone, you know, there's flags flying all over the place and it's like, Really? And like we've said before, you know, it's six to eight years career. And then, yeah, and then. I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's, and, and to be honest, and I know there's people that are Brady haters, you know, um, and he's, you know, he's, he historically has been one of them. I mean, anytime you know that anytime Tom Brady is on the field and somebody lays a hand on him, what's the first thing he's doing? What's the first thing he does? Come on, Rip. He's looking at an official. The second, first thing he does, he somebody puts a hand on him. He's looking at that official, like, "What the fuck? Where's the flag?" It's like, Tom, come on now. You got, you got to, you got to be. It is a big, a contact sport. This isn't basketball, right? Like this is this is a contact sport, and he's taking his licks. You know, he's taking his licks, and it's amazing that he's been able to play for as long as he has. But we've said this before, and I'll say it again. You know as well as I do that if football were still being played the same way that it was played back in the late seventies, early eighties, Tom Brady would not be pushing 45 years old playing football. That's right. It wouldn't be, it wouldn't happen. There's just no way that you could have that. I I don't care what your exercise routine was. I don't care what your diet is. You would not be able to play that type of old school. Huh? Ben Roethlisberger would still be playing. Well, right, exactly. You know, this guy, he's like broken freaking everything. It's un- I'm shocked that the dude's even still playing, you know. Dude, he's going to – he's one of those dudes that you're going to see in 20 years. And Cripple. he's going to look like he'd been – yes, he's going to look like he got hit by a truck. Yeah, Jerome you know? Bennett. Yes. Yep. Yeah, I just couldn't get up the stairs anymore. Like, and I will, like, I, you know, I went to the National Card Show and, and I got my uh, stuff signed by Emmett Smith. But, yeah, like, seeing some of those older dudes who played in that era that we're talking about. Oh, yeah. Like, man, like, yep. they have to be willed in, you know. <laughs> Dude, look at Jim Brown. I mean, I get he's an old man now, but Jesus, he's been walking around with a cane for years. And he was the one that, you know, what's his name there? Uh, the dude who quit the Dolphins, running uh, back, Zonkas, or uh, no, no, and ended up like going and joining a commune somewhere. Oh, and Rick, Ricky, Williams. Ricky Williams, Ricky Williams, dude, it was Jim Brown that was the motivation for Ricky Williams to be like, I don't want to do this anymore. I mean, he because he even talked way back then. He talked about how he met. At some point, he after he started playing professional football, Ricky Williams had only been in the league for like a year, and he met Jim Brown and saw the condition he was in and was like, uh, 
I don't want to, I don't want to do that. You know, I don't want to end up like that. And that's when he was like, I'm out. I'm not playing anymore. And of course the dolphins were like, okay, well then cough up $8 million in signing bonus money, you know, and that that's only, that's the only thing that brought him back to football because they were like, yeah, like we, we're going to get our money back. If you're not playing, he fucking played his ass off. He did. He came back and crushed it. He was an unbelievable running back when he came <laughs> yeah, back. So, yeah. I know. mean, that's why you're in the Heisman, right? <laughs> right. No, absolutely. Absolutely. Um, so, uh, uh, I, I think it's going to be a, a good season. Uh, you know, I hope at least for I the just, Cowboys. I just, I just hope. Uh, my hope out there is this. Okay. Um, obviously, uh, Patriots fan. You know, Patriots had 20 years of, you know, amazing luck. Um, I mean, not every season was a great season, but the majority of them were for 20 years. Uh, But I really am hoping, like, I mean, I'm hearing stuff about how people are talking about how the Buccaneers are going to go 17-0. and I I don't see that. And I really hope that's not the case, man. I, I, you know... I and I love Tom Brady. I love him, and it's great to see what he's done with himself and all the rest of it. Uh, but there is something seriously wrong. I mean, it's like these these people on TV we're talking about. They're like, dude, you've got freaking Antonio Brown is playing with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, right? He played with them last year. Mike, want to dude? Antonio Brown is like their number three receiver. Yep, Godwin. Bucket. That's insane. You know, I and mean, it's just, it's the fact that, you know, I'm just really hoping it's kind of interesting. You know, the NFL incorporated a salary cap with the intention of trying to make, to, to, to generate a greater degree or degree of equity, you know, in across the NFL. They wanted, you know, every team to have because, a fight. You know chance. why? Because the fuck in the nineties, when there wasn't a salary cap, bought four championships, three championships. Well, right, exactly. And I, I get why. Again, this was one of the things that was amazing about the Patriots being successful for so long because it was under those it was under those salary cap years, under those conditions, that they were able to continue to be so successful, which was shocking, really. Um, but, man, I'm telling you, it's like this whole th- – I just want to see greater parity. You know, I just want to see more parody. I, I, you know, you see these players, you see guys like, you know, you see guys like Rogers, you know, Aaron Rogers, uh, you see guys like, um, Matt Stafford, um, you know, uh, what's it? Russell Wilson. I mean, all of them are, are incredibly talented athletes. Not, and these are just quarterbacks, you know, they're all over the league. But it's like there's like ultimate successes in this one little corner, you know, and it's like it's as great as it is to watch all these teams and whatever. It's just, you know, when you've got this one team that is a juggernaut in the league and essentially everybody else, it's like, I mean, this, the season starts tonight and people, you have people out there acting like, you know, every team in the league should just roll the fuck over when the Bucks come to town. Because yeah. there's just no way that you're going to beat them. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know. 
that sort of thing just I, I just want to see I want to see better I want to see I want to see better football I want to see more competition I want to see more parity you know I don't care about freaking you know I don't care about you know 42 to 36 freaking football games I don't care about that shit. I would rather watch a football game that is no joke like you know 14 to 9 I would rather see that, you know. Have you seen this new thing that they talk about? Um, it's like something about score Sudoku, and it sees it sees scores that happen that will never happen. Like the score six to one is possible in right. football. Yeah, but. It's that's like that's the like the one that's like oh if this ever happened I mean there's so many things that have to happen for that right so it's like yeah it's like this is the only time this this uh, this score will ever ha- has ever happened in the history of the NFL like like twenty nine to eleven right yes people that keep track of this oh yeah oh yeah no I mean that's like those like statisticians man I mean these are the people who are watching and. It's like the people who who get super heavy into, you know, these people get super heavy into fantasy football. I mean, if you really, and you and I both know, we both played fantasy football. Like, I'm in a if, league dude, if you, you know, if you, if you want to, you can go way down a rabbit hole with fantasy football numbers. Or you can just sort of play. I mean, whenever I did fantasy football, I just, I was very nonchalant about it. I didn't get super into the weeds. You know, I'm just sort of tracking what's happening with players across the league and, you know, whatever. I mean, to me, the fun of it was just keeping track of, you know, the players and stuff, but not necessarily getting super deep in their stats and that sort of thing. So have you named your team? Uh, Zeke and Destroy. Zeke and Destroy. All right. There you go. Yeah. There you go. Very, very cool, man. Well, like I say, it's a mashup day. So new music. New music Monday. What do you got? What, so you listen to anything? I I I have been and one of the things that I want to get out to the people is you know, and this is just like my opinion, man. But if you, <laughs> like when's the last time you look at like the, the billboard one hundred? Never. Never? You never you never look at it? No. Really? That's interesting. Huh. I mean that's a whole show right there. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I will tell you um that you know when you I, you you'd have to go to the top like you go down to the 40s maybe even the 50s before it's nothing like all the all of it's like hip hop right um and there's no rock no that's you know the closest thing to it is country yes which is just pop music um which is just really like you know it's crazy to me but uh New music. Uh, one of the songs I was reminded that one of our uh, former students had passed away a year ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the songs that she brought in 
was maybe I'm a Leo. Ah. Right? Like, what a badass fucking song. It's a great tune, man. Off of Machine Deep. Head. The, the deepest purple. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man. No, it, it, is, it, is, it, it is classic Deep Purple, that tune. Yeah, but, you know, it just goes to show you, like, So that's that's my new music, but like it, it's more along the lines of, of um, the state of music in in my world, I guess. Or, I would I would I would go as far as to say our world. Mm-hmm. But yeah, like it's it's. I don't want to say it's sad. That it's what? That it's sad. But oh. That the like, condition of the con- you mean the condition of popular music today? Yeah, it is sad. But I think that there's this, and I will, and, and I, I think that this is something that we all, um, you know, I, I think that it's it, it, it pertains to so many things in our lives, man. You know, uh, and I think that really a lot of it is just about getting older. Um, you know, as we get older, I don't, I think there are very few people who look at the world as they're getting older and think to themselves like, man, this is so much better than it used to be. I think that as a a byproduct of, of getting older is constantly comparing things as they are now to how they used to be. And obviously we all see the past with like sort of rose colored glasses so we always say like, oh man, you know, things today are stupid or blah, you know. So like, you know, they're not like they used to be. Um, I, that's definitely true when it comes to being in the service. I will say that everybody freaking grew, everybody grows up in the service, and sergeant major or somebody comes around freaking talking about like hey, you know back in the day when blah blah blah. And you'd sit there and roll your eyes and be like, oh my god, you know. And then all of a sudden one day you turn around and you're standing up in front of a bunch of freaking service people and you're like you know back in the day when I, you realize you've become that guy <laughs> you've become the them um and it's just a natural thing that happens i mean, I, I listened to all that remember i mean my last new music monday was donda by kanye you know what i mean yeah so, yep. there's just there's there's more to music than what's being fed to you well, I, yeah, because the music industry has changed, you know? I mean, that's just the sad, cold reality, man. I mean, that's like, you know, freaking... I remember I remember watching an interview one time with, uh, with Frank Zappa where he was talking about, the, you know, the state of the, of the music industry and record companies and stuff. And, of course, this was back... This interview was back probably in the 80s. Um, and he was just talking about how... You know, you have, you know, back in the day, you had the record companies, you know, they were owned by all these, you know, fat cat, you know, big wig freaking guys smoking cigars, but they were willing to take a chance on shit. Oh, yeah. The what if guys or uh, why not? Why not? guys? The why not guys. And that over time now, over time now, we have found ourselves in a place where these same record company you know, are now owned by people that are, they just want formula. 
they just want record sales. It's David, it's David Geffen's fault. It is David Geffen. I mean, it's you know, <laughs> if you if you you know if you want a popular song, well, then you have to write a song like those guys. You know, and it's like, okay, so you want an industry that's just full of a bunch of those guys, and they don't care. They're like, yes, that's what we want because that's obviously what people want because people are buying that music. <clears throat> I mean, I, you know, um, you know, the the saddest thing is is that you know these you know these uh, young aspiring musicians have to keep hearkening back to you know decades ago to find music that they're finding to be truly and unique because there hasn't been anything unique and inspirational for so long that, you know, they're having to look back to the seventies and eighties, you know, maybe the nineties, you know, to find something that they're wow, that's really cool. That's not one, five, six, four. Right. Exactly. It's not just any combination of that. Right. Exactly. Um, which I will say, speaking of which, that's like the the YouTube video that I had shared um, of Rick Beato when he was breaking down James by uh, Pat Metheny. Uh, because one of my other little YouTube video things today was going to be that I actually found on there on his channel the actual interview that he has with Pat Metheny um, on his you know on his YouTube channel and. Uh, Man, it's pretty incredible. It is it is truly incredible stuff. Um, you know, and it, it's not short either. The video is like about an hour and 47 minutes long. Um, but he go, they get way deep, man. You know, I mean, talking about his career and that type of thing, but getting really deep into like, you know, talking about, you know, like, you know, Rick asking Pat questions about, like, what are his ideas about melody? Like, what does melody mean to you? You know, and you know, and here you go. This is Pat Metheny. Like, you know, you and I were talking just recently in the past few weeks about people who are the greats in whatever medium, you know, whether they be athletes or artists or whatever, but the, the ones who are the greats that absolutely dedicate themselves in every way, shape, and form to becoming better at their thing. And Pat Metheny is one of the greats. I mean, when you hear him in this interview and he's talking about like how he's never had a drink, he's never used drugs, you know, and he talks about how like for him, that was something that he decided early on because early on he was playing with people that were using substances and he realized very clear with a, with a clear, you know, with clear eyes, he could, he realized how, um, you know, he realized how these people who were great players, how their skills became diminished over time because they were using alcohol or drugs. And in his mind, he never wanted to do that. You know, in his mind, it was always, everything has always been about getting better. And I mean, and he, he openly admits, he's like, honestly, you know, he's like, I'm 10 times the musician today that I was when I did my first album. But it's because he has dedicated himself over all these years to just getting better and better and better. Um, so awesome video. Uh, my new music thing, though, 
that totally got me was, uh, and I'll post a copy of this on the webpage where we can check it. I haven't heard that tune before. Oh, uh, here comes the. Yeah. Yeah. Incredible tune. Uh, it was off of his first solo album uh, that is actually an untitled album, but folks call it Peter Gabriel One Cars. Uh, it's the final track. He did a live concert, released a live album and video back in 2003 from uh, a live show he did in Milan. And he opens up his show playing this tune. It is absolutely incredible. Incredible tune. I'll share a copy of it for, uh, for folks to check out. Highly love Peter Gabriel, man. And it's awesome hearing some of his old, like, deep tracks and sort of getting back in touch with them for sure. So, yeah, yeah, man, for, you know, check it out. It is very cool. Hey, for the folks who are out there checking out the show, thank you so much for tuning in. You know, love that you guys check out what we're, uh, what we have to share, what we're talking about. You know, a couple of guys who don't know anything about anything, talking about everything and covered a lot of ground today. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) So that's a good thing. That's a good thing. So, uh, hey, good luck to your Cowboys tonight, you know. Little David and Goliath going on there. Plenty maybe. of beer, man. Plenty of beer. Plenty there, of beer. There you go. Exactly. So you're good to go. You're good to go. You're yeah. gonna. You're good. Everybody's gonna be in uniform. I'm assuming. That's right. Okay. Yes. There you go. Represent. Represent. Hey, again, for the folks who are out there, tell your family, tell your friends. We'll be talking to you soon. Later. Wait. <laughs>